so I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to change it. And then actually post the wedding about three days later, I was like, oh, I actually want to change it now. And I just felt like in my mind, I'm married, I'm pretty happy. So why not have my married name and be proud to share it? Yeah. It's like for me, a bit of a fresh start, a new person. So in my mind, all my old stats actually don't count anymore because I'm a different person now. So <laughs> I'm hoping to start a new chapter with new stats and yeah, I'm pretty excited to have a new name. So it's cool. And I hope your husband's listening to this when you said that you're pretty happy. So that's pretty, that's nice. It's always nice for a new married person to be pretty happy. We like that. It's a, it's, that's a big compliment coming from me. That, like, that means I'm like ecstatic if I say I'm pretty happy to be <laughs> About to leave. Already packing, come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. What about this? This call is being recorded. Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of the Roundup. I am your host, Bill Buckingham. I have shed 350 pounds, roughly 350 pounds this morning, meaning I was able to dodge PJ and Connor and get them off the show. As we know, my goal is to do this show by myself and not have to deal with those two because their contribution, frankly, isn't that strong to the show. And I think, I think as listeners, you realize that and all the emails I get pretty much stress that and say, Bill, why don't you just do your own show? It would be just as good, if not better. So here I am bright and early on a Saturday morning. I have a very special guest with me. The TOC is starting in New York on Wednesday of this week, one of the, if not the marquee event on the PSA tour. And we are lucky enough to have one of the participants, one of my favorite all-time PSA players. I've been following her career since I was a little boy, growing up in the United States, watching PSA TV, following the trajectory of her career. She is currently ranked 24th in the world. She's the eight-time Welsh national champion. Please welcome, and I'm going to get this correct. It's because I'm so used to saying something else, but I am going to get this correct. Please welcome Tesney Murphy. Well, welcome, Tez. Thank you. That's the first time I've been introduced as that person. So it's good to be on the show. I've heard so much about it, Bill. You talk about it all the time. It's good to be on it. I'm happy to be here. You mean you're not, you haven't been listening all the shows that I put up on oh, the internet? No. You don't oh, listen? I've listened to all, every single one, probably like three or four times each too. So I'm well clued up on this show. <laughs> we appreciate it very much. The change in the name to Murphy, before we get into the marriage in New Zealand and all that, the change of the name, typically I'm all for that, but only when it's like a Tomato Ho situation, a Chan Sin Yuk situation, any Hong Kong player whose name is spelled T-Z-E that I have no idea how to pronounce that. So wasn't really necessary for you. Evans was pretty easy, right? I wasn't pre-marriage, wasn't actually going to change it. If I'm being completely honest, we'd had a conversation, me and Ben about it. And I was really keen to change my name like for normal life. But I was like, no, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it for squash because I just thought it would be confusing and people would, you know, so I was like, no, no, I'm not going to change it. And then actually post the wedding about three days later, I was like, oh, I actually want to change it now. And I just felt like, in my mind, I'm married, I'm pretty happy, so why not have my married name and be proud to share it? Yeah, it's like, for me, a bit of a fresh start, a new person. So in my mind, all my old stats actually don't count anymore because I'm a different person now. So <laughs> I'm hoping to start a new chapter with new stats. And yeah, I'm pretty excited to have a new name. So it's cool. And I hope your husband's listening to this when you said that you're pretty happy. So that's pretty, that's nice. It's always nice for a new married person to be pretty happy. We like that. It's a, it's, that's a big compliment coming from me. That, like, that means I'm like ecstatic if I say I'm pretty happy to be <laughs> you, you could have went the full Monty and went like Tesney Ho. 
Yeah, I yeah, can't. Or, you know, I'm not cool, <laughs> not cool enough for that bill. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. It's great to have you on. You and I, we were in Houston together. I think it was all the way back in September. Now it seems like forever ago. And we mm -hmm. got to talk and I actually did a little TV with you. So I've wanted to have you on since. So talk about your marriage. You, you played in the New Zealand Open. It was your first event of the year. You came yeah. on, you made it, you made it all the way to the semifinals, which was a great run. And but that tournament, winning the tournament is not as important as what happened post-tournament. So you got married, stayed in New Zealand and got married. I followed it on Instagram. It seemed what number one, one of the longest marriages and honeymoons in the history of marriages and honeymoons. Very active. You got, you got, you were in New Zealand for a year, but you basically yeah. could vote in New Zealand at this point. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool to be fair. We, I was there for about a month. As you said, obviously hadn't played the whole season that from the new season 2023 September whatever August but yeah I, to be honest I probably wouldn't have played if it hadn't been that I was already going to be there I had a flight already booked to New Zealand so I thought why not the week before help with nerves take my mind off the marriage for a couple weeks so I decided to play it and actually yeah it did pretty well I made the semi-finals which was exceeded like what I was expecting I honestly wanted to play one match maybe two max just so that when I started in January now I'd gotten that out of my system that I didn't want to start in January with all these busy tournaments and these big tournaments. I thought it'd be the perfect start. So it went really well. It helped because I had no pressure on myself. I had so much to do that week for the wedding. I hadn't even seen the venue right. in person. So it was the first time that week, the morning before I played, no, the day before I played, I was up at the venue speaking to all the vendors. And so it was nice. It was a really nice week. New Zealand is home for me. It's the second home. And yeah, we had a blast. We used all the time we had all my family flew over from wales and our families got to meet for the first time it was very special and definitely a trip i won't be forgetting anytime soon but also didn't really want to come back but yeah <laughs> life goes on and things where you have things to do so we came back but yeah it was amazing it's pretty special i wasn't aware of that and mm -hmm. why do you consider new zealand your second home knowing you are welsh you're from cardiff mm -hmm. why new zealand so Ben, my husband now is from New Zealand. So that was obviously one of the reasons everyone's always so random. You pick New Zealand to get married in. I'm like, that's not that random. And for us, we spend so much, we live obviously in Wales. We spend all our time here. So for us, we wanted to do it there where we could spend it with more of his family because they don't get to experience anything with us really obviously living here. So we decided to do it there and make it really challenging and give ourselves a big challenge to get married there and do it from here. But it was, yeah, it was special, it was summer. So we go, we visit, we try and visit every two years if we can, obviously around tournaments and scheduling. So yeah, I don't know if you've been to New Zealand. I don't think you have when we were having this conversation. And yeah, it's, it's like a nicer Wales, like it's so similar. So we just love it. As I said, it was summer. So that's the big sort of connection with New Zealand. And it's a very, for anyone that hasn't been, please go, because it is the most special place I think I've ever been to. I know I am biased, but it is pretty cool. Your Instagram, I followed your Instagram. I'm a six-year-old man who like works from home and very rarely gets out and has no social interaction with anyone. So I followed your whole, I felt like I was in your way. I felt like I was a part yeah. of your wedding actually. So well, I appreciated it. Yeah. It was like, we didn't have to pay for guests that way because <laughs> we could just have you all follow on Instagram. So it was, but it was cool. My family got to, they bungeed, they like zip lined. I'm really not an adventure thrill seeker myself, but we took all them to do all that kind of stuff. So they got a holiday out of it as well. So it made the trip even better really to do it at that time of year. Did you bungee? No, 
oh, I'm way too scared for that. Honestly, oh. I was like, oh, I might do it. I might do it. And then you get to the edge of the platform and I just looked at it and I was like, yeah, no, won't be doing that today. I will happily video up here. But we had four, four people, four, there was about eight or nine of us that we like rallied around and I think four or five of them did it, which was impressive. So no, it looked really, it looked really cool. Wait. It appeared on Instagram that you bungeed. So that's all that really matters. That you didn't really have to bungee as long as. Exactly. I bungeed in my head. I bungeed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And in my head, if, up until you just denied it, I thought you bungeed too. So I let's did. get into squash a little bit. Talk about Tesney growing up in, in Wales. We'll get a little bit of your background here. Not that everyone doesn't, everyone knew Tesney Evans, but nobody really knows Tesney Murphy. So talk about your, your squash background, how you got into the sport. You always, you strike me to the time that I've known you, that you follow all sports, that you're a sports fan. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I can't imagine that you just played squash growing up. So talk about your background in squash and how you got into the sport. Yeah, no, you're spot on. I'm a huge sports fan. I follow everything. So as a kid, I, my parents both played. My dad played more seriously, played for Wales for years. My mom was just a very social sort of player. But yeah, I, my parents basically just owned a house about five minutes away from the squash club. And yeah, we lived there. I actually think I probably lived more at the squash club than I did in my own house. Cause we would come home from school and it would be the first place we would go and we would have dinner there. And we just, yeah. And after a while, like I was probably only three or four and I was like, you know what? I remember just, I don't remember loads from being a kid but I do remember just spending so much time there and being like, if I'm gonna be here, I may as well do something, right? And they had a swimming pool, a gym, but squash was like the only sport they had there apart from swimming. So I was like, I'm not too fussed on swimming. I'll give squash a go. And I had to sit behind the court. My dad coached and played and I would just sit behind. So I was like, nah, I'm going to give this a go, I think. And I just fell in love with it from day one, to be honest. And then, yeah, it was a big, it was St. Melon's club, which for many Welsh people was pretty big at the time in Cardiff. And he was, my dad was like the director of squash Wales or director of coaching at squash Wales, something. So he was there every day. His office was there. So yeah, I had no, I always think I had no choice in the matter that I spent so much time there that it made sense to me to actually play. But at the same time, I absolutely loved it. And then I've got an older sister who plays and obviously my younger brother, Emia. So once he got to a certain age as well, we just, that was where all my friends were. It was, we socialized at the squash club. We would play squash for hours and then we would just go swimming afterwards, jump in the pool. And then yeah, our, all of our like friends, families, like we just all hung out there really. But as you said, I'm a huge sports fan. So I played a lot of sports, a lot of just kept very casually, mainly in school really. But I did do a bit of football, a bit of hockey, but realized probably that team sports was not where I was heading. Just used to get a little bit frustrated and angry, but yeah, I just, I love playing sport and I, and squash just felt right. I never really, until I think I was about 16-ish, really took it that seriously, to be honest. I just played because I loved it and I just played squash. I didn't, you know, like I, I see a lot of kids these days who are like full-time training at that point in the gym all the time. I never did that. I was always taught to play and learn how to play squash and figure out what to do on a squash court. And then once I got to, yeah, 15, 16, I realized, oh, actually, if I want to be better, I'm going to need to be fitter. And then I started doing gym work, but that only came like afterwards because, yeah, I was just taught on how to play. That was what I did. Just played constantly, just played games with people. I'd ask anyone for a game, any age, any standard. I was like, someone give me a hit because I was just wanted to play. So I think that's probably helped as I've obviously got later into my career now. 
you had a great junior career. I was looking through your record last night, very successful, including several Dutch Open championships. So yeah. you did the junior circuit, the European junior circuit? Yeah, no, I did all that. I did like, we would do, we had a group of us. So then I moved up to North Wales. So I live like the north of Wales now, closer to England. So we did a lot of, we had a group of us that would travel. So we did, we would always do the German Open, Swiss, French, Dutch, all of them, which is handy with living in Europe. Obviously it was pretty easy. And my dad used to take a bunch of us and we'd go and we'd play. So yeah, it was good. Like I always did okay, but I think I always, yeah, I, as I said, like I played so much squash, so I learned how to play squash, but I wasn't definitely very fit at that point. That was definitely, and probably will always be my weaker side of my game, but definitely something I wasn't really even working on at that point. Cause my dad was like, just play, you'll figure it out. And I just ended up having to play cleverly, which is what I did, but it was pretty cool. That was probably the most fun part I would say of playing is when we got to travel around with all of like a bunch of us and we just used to do stupid stuff and just <laughs> we messed around it we're like we didn't even really take it that seriously we always wanted to win because we that's what we did but we always just found a way of having fun and I'm still friends with the people that I traveled around with when I was a kid which is I think also was really important for me to keep me in the sport was the social side I'm quite a social person and I enjoyed that more than actually the playing probably do you think that's lacking in the big time, the higher echelons of junior squash right now, that kind of camaraderie? It seems like these kids who go there, they bring their coaches. It seems more like a business and almost like they're pro athletes at such a young age. It seems like that has changed since what you just described. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think that's, I totally, it's a hard one because I totally get the professionalism is more now than it ever has been in the pro game, but also in the juniors. But it's, for me, it's just a bit too serious. I think some of these kids will probably never play again if it's too much. I know if I'd have had that when I was growing up, I would have stopped by now. It was always really important to me and my was that I wanted to socialize with people. And it, it didn't take anything away from the squash ever. It wasn't like I didn't play squash properly or didn't go to training. But part of it was that I was like, oh, my friends are here. This is so good. We never, my dad used to coach me and a group of us girls when we were kids. And actually when we played each other, we didn't have a coach. We just play. It would be like, no, you get on with it and you right. figure it out yourself. Whereas now I feel like, the competition is who's your coach? How much are you training? You've got a fitness trainer. You've got a psychologist. And these kids are like 12 or 15. Like it's too young in my mind. And it's just a personal preference and probably just how I was raised to play and learn the sport. But I worry that we're going too professional. And so you might get a bunch of people that will play when they're older, but you're also going to lose a lot of people that won't play ever again, even at club standard. And for me, I don't think the goal of any junior should be a professional player. It should be to keep them playing when they're 40 or 50 years old. So we have a huge range of variety of people still playing. I, I've met kids that were really good at 12, 13 years old. They got pushed into it too much by their parents and they've never played again. They've gone to university or college and they hate it because they were pushed into it. And so that's a little bit of my worry with the sport, the way that I see that, especially at the big tournaments with the kids that are good. I was just going to say, even just the kids won't play each other now because they're so competitive that they're too scared to play each other. And actually, that's the best time to learn. Like I had a friend when I was growing up that we were close in standard and at certain points and whatever. <clears throat> and we always played. It was never scared of playing each other to lose. Whereas now kids are like, oh, no, I don't train with that person because they're far too close. And I'm like, then how are you going to get any better? It doesn't feed very well into pro-life, but the, also things have changed massively. So yeah, it is what it is. So how did you make the decision to start playing pro, pro squash? <clears throat> I came home from school one day and <laughs> I told my parents, oh, I'm going to quit school now. 
and they were like you're gonna do what i was like i don't want to go to school anymore i was seven i was 17 so in the uk you have to school till 16 and you do two years extra if you want to you don't have to but you do so most people do that anyway to get the a levels because then that's how they get into uni and i came home after one year and i was to be honest I'm not someone to do a couple things and be able to do them all. I was, I was like, I'm not doing school very well because I, I didn't have time. So I was playing a lot of squash. And then I felt like I also wasn't doing squash very well because I was also trying to do school. So I felt like I wanted to give one or the other the go. And to be honest, I'm not, I wasn't the best at school and I wasn't applicating myself the best. And I loved squash. So I thought I could do that. So I said to my dad and my mom, I came home and I said, I want to go professional. And they were like, Oh, okay. How do we approach this? So they rang Chris Robertson, who is the works for England squash now, was England squash national coach and a very good player, obviously from Australia. And he was our national coach at the time. And we spoke to him a bit and said, what do you think? And his advice was really good. It was like, if you're going to do it now, because you're not going to regret it and you're not going to get that back when you're 30. But his biggest piece of advice was you need to be fit because you're not fit enough to be a professional player. So I was like, you know what? He's absolutely right. So I decided to, I stuck out the last year of school that I had to, which my parents was, that was the bargaining was like, okay, you can go full time. Yes, but you need to finish this year. Cause I was halfway through the year, do my exams and then stop, which I didn't do very well in cause I knew I was stopping. So I may as well just have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> A good lesson for the kids listening out there, by the yeah, way, exactly. for all you juniors listening to this. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I got a personal trainer at the time at, who was training at my local club. And I was like, I need to lose weight and I need to be fitter. This is what I need. And I trained really hard that summer and I started in the September. Never really looked back in a way. Probably didn't expect to do or to get anywhere near where I actually have gotten in my career, to be fair. So good. It was a good thing I did, but at the time, wasn't sure how it was actually going to pan out, really, to be honest. I'm going to circle back because we haven't talked enough about me in this, in this episode, which is really yeah, kind of a prerequisite true. actually for these. Yeah, exactly. So you and I, your career is somewhat intertwined with mine, two matches in my, I don't know if anybody who's listening knows that I do emceeing for, for PSA events. Cause I don't talk about it that often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not what I do, but I, but I do that. So in my, in the infancy of my career, there's two matches that you were a big part of, and I'm sure you remember, I'm certain you remember. US Open. Um, You're gonna see US so Open. one, yeah. So the U S open, not the match. We're going to talk about the other matches of the U S open, but this match was taken, took place downstairs. Remember, do you remember in the U S open, the early days where they didn't play all the matches on the glass court, they played downstairs on those two recreational courts. Yeah. So the last match of the night, I'm going to forget the year. I'm thinking it was probably 2016, maybe. You yeah. were playing Emily Whitlock. Okay. And you guys had a five-game war. Like, it was not squash. It was like Hamami against Gohar now, or Hamami last night <laughs> <laughs> against... <laughs> if you, if, I'm sorry, if you watched the, Go, the Gohar match last night, it was very similar to that. It was a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving, a lot of arguing okay. with the refs. And uh, unfortunately, you lost a heartbreaker, like... 12 10 in the fifth mm. and i'll never forget you walked off the court you still have a smile on your face and emily whitlock walked off the court and fired the ball and hit mike riley the referee in the head oh my god really i don't actually <laughs> remember that i was probably too busy trying to get off the court to be fair wow <laughs> yeah yeah and i was there ready you know to do my interview and she had tossed the ball up there and mike had his head down i don't know if she, i'm sure she intentionally didn't do it so let's give emily the benefit of the doubt but you never know you never know yeah. we'll have to, if, if she, if she would ever get to come on the podcast, I would ask her about that. But more importantly, 
when I got the, the call to go upstairs and do the glass court was 2018. Yeah. And let's talk about 2018 with you. Mm -hmm. You were playing the best squash of your career coming yeah. into that U.S. Open. You in the U.S. Open were just you were the player of the tournament. You might not have won that tournament, but you were the player of the tournament. You you beat Marion Metwally in the first round, and then you you stopped one of your best friends, oh, Joel wow. King, in <laughs> yeah, in 69 minutes, five game, just an epic five game. I, I remember watching it. I was like, wow, I really. She's going to win this tournament. People don't think that, but she's going to win this tournament. Then you had SJP, oh, Sarah Jane in the, in the quarters and you went 71 minutes with her. So obviously your, your new, newfound dedication to fitness was paying mm -hmm. off. And I rewatched the SJP match and the Will Lilly match last night. And man, you were so fit and buzzing around the court and just yeah. running, literally running. You look, you had, you look like you were 15 years old, basically running around the court. I think at the time you were only 25, right? I mean, yeah, it's, well, it, we are talking 2018. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 25, 26. Yeah. Would have been in my prime. And so you prime became <laughs> the prime. No, you're now in the prime of your career, by the way. So, okay. well, <laughs> but you did beat SJP and then you played, what was to me, the match of the tournament you lost to, and you lost, unfortunately. So the two matches that I remember most about you, you lost. So I apologize for that, but, um, Obviously. um <laughs> <laughs> Raneem Al-Walili, 64 minutes. This scoreline, 14-12, you beat her in the first. Lost 11-7, 14-12, 13-11 in 65 minutes. And it was just an epic match. Tell me, what you became, It was you were the first Welsh woman ever mm -hmm. to make it to the semifinals of the U.S. Open. And at the time, Raneem Al-Walili was the best player in the world. She yeah. was the defending world champ. She ended up winning the U.S. Open that year. And mm -hmm. you basically pushed her to the very edge, the margins were so fine. What do you remember about that tournament? What do you remember about that era and that time of your run? Yeah, 2018 was such a good year for me. I think genuinely the best I've played that whole year. And don't I don't even know, I look back and I'm like, what can I do to try and replicate it? But I don't actually know what it was. But that USO, I always loved the US Open at Drexel. It was special there. I don't know why. I have a really cool billet that I stay with who lives just a little bit out of the city. And I just love it there. It's just... Yeah, the court was great. And that week I just felt I'd had, we had Com Games in 2018. And that was like a bit of a breakthrough for me because I got a bronze medal and I'd beaten Nicole David. And it was that moment that I thought, oh no, okay, I can get some belief. Like she, she obviously is the best player to ever play the sport. And I got a win over her for the first time in a big event. And I, it just gave me so much confidence. And then obviously was able to have the summer, some really good training, obviously. And yeah, it was just a good week. One of those weeks that I look back on and I think, oh, that was so special. But I, yeah, I think the Renee match, I can remember the SJ match. Joelle's one's matches I try and keep out of my mind a little bit because we are like really good friends. And I'm always like, it's always hard playing each other and stuff. And But the SJ match as well, always, again, another hard sort of fight for both of us two good friends. But I remember we had one rally. I lost the game. I think it was one all. And we had this one rally where I can vividly remember it. We were just both of us doing court sprints. And she, I looked at her face. I lost the game and it was like 2-1 down. But I looked at her face and I was like, okay, I got you now. Because I could sense that there was such a hard rally and I was okay with losing it. And then I think I came back and won in five. But one of our classic battles, we've had a lot. And then the Renine match, like, I don't even know how many good words to say about Renine because she is one of the most special players that's ever played. For me, probably the most talented player that's ever played and could easily go down as the best player also that's ever played the game. So I always enjoyed playing her. I think she always brought the best out of people because of how good she was and 
the way, not just the way she played, but the manner she always played in and the spirit was always amazing too. So it was a great week all in all. I was nowhere near believing that I could get anywhere near these kind of players sort of thing. And then as I started to get one after the other, I was like, I was just on a roll. Like I could have just ran all day. I can remember just thinking, I feel great here. Yeah. And then I started aging, which was really fun after that, really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you started, I don't know if you started aging immediately because you continued playing great squash all the way through in 2019. You won the British nationals. You made it to the quarterfinals of the worlds. You're the number nine player in the world coming yeah. into. Now we're going to flash forward to, to the TOC. So yeah. you come into the TOC, you're number nine in the world. You're on court with Olivia Blatchford Klein. I was in the stands during this match. Again, our career is just intertwining, Tesney, everywhere we go. It's, always, it's not, always stalk, not stalking, really. It's more, more just a big fan, really. Yeah. Not really stalking, just, just a fan. Just a fan, a fan of Tesney Evans. And you get injured. Talk about what you remember about that match. You're playing at Grand Central. It's a, I believe it was a Saturday afternoon match. The crowd's full, and you're coming in as one of the hot players in the world. Yeah, that was, yeah, we obviously speak about the most exciting parts like us open week but you also have weeks like toc week and toc is such a cool event it's a one-off you said it at the start of the podcast like it's a special event and you always want to be the one playing on the glass court at grand central and i was so excited but it was a very odd feeling before the match i felt really flat and i couldn't quite figure out why but i thought it's fine it's just the first home of the year you got to get yourself going after christmas new year all that but my legs felt really heavy and i just couldn't really figure out why and then First few rallies, Liv was throwing me in short, cross-courting everything. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a tough match today. You're going to have to really dig in. But I felt I'd come in on some good form, so it felt good. And then it was pretty early on. I think it was like 4-3 in the first game or something. We hadn't been playing long. And just a bit of a freak accident. I think I remember just us catching feet and my, my ankle just went. And I knew straight away, I'd done it before previously about, I don't know how many years before. It was the same one and I knew straight away it wasn't good. So it's very frustrating when you... You just started an event, 4-3 in the first game of my first match. Mm. So it wasn't really ideal, but yeah, it's part and parcel, unfortunately. But you don't really want it to happen on a court like that and in a stage like that. And as you said, coming on some good form, I was like, damn it, this is not going to help because I knew at least with any kind of ankle injury, it's two months out or something. So I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And But yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, and it's interesting, not funny at all, but that Olivia was also in the incident with Amanda Sobey very shortly yes. before that, where Amanda got her and tore her Achilles on court with Olivia. And then she injured, you got injured with her on the court. So then people were like, well, Actually, we don't want to play you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you sat out till September. You came back that September. So along, along said, what was it like to get back on court? You, it, it's a pretty, an ankle injury is always tough. You're always a little scared. Is my movement going to be the same? Talk about the coming back and training again and getting ready to play the Welsh Nationals, which was your, your first event back in September. Yeah, it's not easy. And that it's like, it's more the, you're scared of when you come back. Like you, you obviously learn you're in a boot or in a cat, whatever, you know, for a bit. And you're like, oh, this is fine. And you start training, stop moving on your feet again. And then you're like, okay, this is good. I feel confident. And then it's, the hardest part is coming back onto court and having to change direction quickly without knowing the ball's changing. And so it's always the hardest time to come back. But yeah, it didn't heal. It took a bit to heal, but it was okay. And then I wore an ankle brace for a little while that I kind of regret wearing because I couldn't get it off. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm not playing without this. It became like a bit of a... Yeah, it became like a bit of a safety a net. Yeah, like I was like, oh, if I wear this, I'm never going to hurt myself ever again. And then I realized quickly right. that it was just damaging other parts of my body because I wasn't moving properly and it was actually quite limiting. So 
I decided one day to not take it to training on purpose and forget it in my bag. And I got to training and I was like, oh, I forgot my cat. I forgot my air cast on my ankle. I can't train today. And then I don't know, I can't remember who I was training with. And they were like, let's just try playing without it. And the physio was going, it's fine. You don't need to wear it. And I'm like, no, I need to wear it. I need to wear it. I didn't wear it. And obviously I was fine. So then I was like, you know what? So I put it straight in the bin and never wore it ever again. But it's a hard thing. Yeah, it's a hard thing, ankles though. They're a bit tricky. But yeah, once I came back, it felt fine again. It takes a little bit while to get into like matches and that, especially when you've missed a bit of time and everyone's been playing. You're like, oh, this is so annoying. Why are you sharp and I'm not? But yeah comes back when it comes back really and you came back you started to rise again in the ranks you were playing great mm-hmm. squash you beat noral tayev in egypt it, so a very strong win you were tesney evans is back british nationals in august you make it to the finals against jasmine and in the fifth game you get injured again what are you feeling when you're like getting injured again after the turnaround the recover from the ankle injury and now again it happens yeah, I wasn't having good thoughts. I probably shouldn't air them on here. What I was actually—that <laughs> was my. Go ahead. Favorite. One word. One word. Give us one word. Retirement. Retirement was the first thing I was like, "Oh, that's it. I'm done. I can't rehab." And to be honest, like even though I've had a couple of bigger injuries with my ankle, and obviously now with my foot, I think Touchwood probably been quite lucky in my career with my body. So, mm-hmm. was, oh, but the most frustrating part was that. I won the nationals twice and I was desperate for a third one. And when you get towards the end of your career and you see these players come in behind you, like Gina, Jazz, Lucy Tamel, you do start thinking, oh, I am like limiting how much now, like they're only going to get better. I'm my improvement. are not going to be as big anymore at this age. So every time you play, I'm thinking this is a chance. And then Jazz had played so well all week. And then in the final, I was like, okay, this is, this is a good chance. Jazz is playing well. It's a home club. I know she was going to play well. We've had some close matches as well. So I knew it was going to be tough. And I was like, just relax and just enjoy yourself. And at Two Love, I was not relaxing and enjoying myself. I was the pole opposite. I was stressed. She was flying. I was like, this is awful. Joelle was there actually watching. So she was coaching me and she was like, come on, relax and just and try and enjoy it. So I was like, okay, I win a game back. And at 2-1, I think, I'm like, Joelle, my foot's a bit sore. I'd won the game, but my foot was like, I was like, my foot's sore, my foot's sore. And she's like, you're fine. So I was like, yeah, okay. And then I win the fourth game, two all. <laughs> and I'm like, no, my foot is actually really sore. And she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to be that wimp that at two all in the final of a British Nationals just goes, oh, actually, my foot's a bit sore. I'm going to stop now. That's never going to happen. So we come back on and I'm like, okay, now I feel like I'm in a good position now. I've come back from two love down. It's always nice when you're in that position. And then, yeah, my foot goes and I was straight away. I knew it, it hurt like hell. And it, it was a, a big shock. Like it, it felt like a shot into my foot and I knew straight away, oh, this is not, this is not good. So mm. yeah, it was pretty rough and it's never a good time. There's never a good time to be injured. There never is, but the first comp of the season and I'd had a really good summer block and I felt good. And you just know then the chances of the physios on site are like, you're like, you're going to be out for three or four months if this is what we think it is. And I'm like, I've just started. And yeah, time is of the essence when you start to get a bit older in your career and you are starting to think about other things and you, you, to miss three or four months at this point, it's not the easiest thing. But then I'm old enough to be hopefully mature. I wouldn't say anyone would call me a mature person because I'm not. But experience, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> experience wise, I have the experience to know how to rehab, not maybe this injury, but to go through a bit of rehab and mentally deal with it probably better than I did when I was say 25 and doing my ankle or whatever. 
The headline that I'm going to take from this is your one, probably your best friend, Joel King, forced you to play a fifth game. <laughs> you, you got injured because of it. And yet you were still mature enough to invite her and be a bridesmaid in your wedding. That's huge growth on your part. That is maturity in itself. And the worst part was that she thought I'd snap my Achilles because it was the same feeling. <laughs> it's not the same, but it's, and she's obviously snapped hers. Ben, like my husband, he snapped his Achilles and they were both sat on the front row with their heads in their hands going, she's just snapped her Achilles. And I was about to come off and go, Joel, you made me carry on here. Otherwise, my Achilles would still be intact. Um, exactly. Yeah, luckily, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Well, for punishment, I think in all the wedding photos I saw, you put her far out on the right. The fact that she was like six foot nine and the rest of your wedding party was five foot one probably had something to do with that. But I think deep down, you were ostracizing her a little bit by putting her on the end. That's just me reading into Instagram. It yeah, might not be true. Exactly. Yeah, it might be true. It might not be. Who knows? We won't. We won't. We won't explain. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> okay. Now you're back. You four months off again, and then you came to New Zealand, and you played very well in New Zealand. You ran up against Tene Gillis, which who is probably her and her sister are probably the two fittest players on tour. Yeah. So never easy to play. So now that you're back, and now we have the TOC on the horizon. Where's your game at now? You're into the TOC. Your first round match is against. I'm going to try to pronounce her name correctly. Another young. 19-year-old Egyptian coming up, Malak Kafaki, who yeah. was a semifinalist at the World Juniors, lost to Orphe mm -hmm. in the semis, but obviously a very strong player. I've watched her. I watched a little tape of her last night on Squash TV. She does not look 19 years old, by the way. There might be some ID checking there, but she does. She looks like a full-grown woman, and she's very tough. And again, yeah. another young Egyptian player up and coming, and that's your first-round match. So how are you yeah. feeling coming into this tournament? Yeah, I'm definitely excited. There's always nerves. I think you, any player who tells you they're not nervous about a tournament is is just absolutely lying to you because, yeah, it is nerve-wracking. The first one of the year is always hard when you haven't played. Obviously, post the wedding, I took some time off to enjoy it, but my body feels better for it, to be fair. So I've had a good couple of weeks training now leading into it. So I'm really excited, to be honest. I'm at the point now where I'm trying to, it sounds very cliche, but it's also very true, enjoy my squash more again. I always play better when I enjoy it and take that pressure off like, throw ranking out of the window with any of the players on the tour these days because everyone is really good. So it doesn't matter who you draw, everyone is good from the first round. You look at, yeah, Malak first round is a very tough draw and there's no one else in the draw that I look at and think, oh, I'd fancy playing them because everyone is good. That's just the standard of right. women's tour these days, which I think is amazing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to just getting back to TOC. Obviously, I haven't been for a few years either, so that'll be exciting. And yeah, just enjoy playing and seeing what I can do and express myself on court and enjoy all these matches that I get to play at this point in my career. Any goals? Obviously, enjoy your squash. Right now, you're ranked 24th in the world. You have been in the top 10, number nine. Talk about the rest of the season going forward and what are your goals? You're, you are 31 years old, newly married. As you said, priorities change. So yeah. just a little bit of a, on, on the yeah. upcoming season. Yeah, my goal has been ever since I dropped outside of the 10 and I have really struggled to get back into it, I would... My, my goal is to get back inside the top 10. Whether I think I can do that in one season is pretty tough, to be fair. It takes a lot of consistent play, which I haven't produced in the last couple of years. And that's why I'm ranked where I'm ranked. Obviously, having the layoff has not helped. But I think before that, I was probably hovering around 15. And I think that was where I was deserved to be at. And I know I need to up my game. We look at the players between 8 and 14, 15, 16 in the world. These are top class players that consistently I need to be competing with in these tournaments. So my goal is not really changed. I want to get back inside the top 10 at some point before I hang the racket up. As I said, it's tough and everyone's good and it will take a lot of consistent 
a consistent level of squash at every tournament that I decide to play this half, especially. And that's something that I haven't really produced in recent times is that consistent backup. And that's how you get your ranking up rather than just, I have one good tournament and then one bad one and one, it needs to be consistent. And that's something that I'm really working on this season to try and get myself back up the rankings and yeah, hopefully take some scalps along the way, give myself a little bit of confidence again and just see where it takes me to be fair. And are you looking beyond that and thinking about Tesney Murphy? What's Tesney Murphy going to do after squash? Have you thought that far ahead or are you still more taking it in the moment? Yeah, definitely. I'm one of these people really that this may sound really bad, but like I wing it, I kind of wing things and that's how I like me and Ben are pretty similar in that way. And we, we plan things, but we also just see how things go as well, because there's never the right time and a wrong time to do certain things. And I think that's the way we've always been. And we do things when it feels right and stuff like that. So for me, post career, I, I know I don't want to keep playing for a long time. That's not what I have in mind. I'd like to stop and settle down and have a family at some point and I don't want to be really old doing that so that's that is definitely on my mind and in fact <laughs> niggling away at me I don't want to be a really old parent that can't live and enjoy grandkids and stuff like that hopefully at some point so that is definitely on the on on the back of my mind but for the moment definitely obviously with the squash I want to keep progressing and seeing what I've got left in me to give and yeah we'll see how that goes and maybe start to think about what I want to do post squash, which at the minute I'm not really that clear on where I want to go with that yet. Yeah. I think it would be a waste to not do something in squash in one way, but I'm also really keen to try other things. I probably will. Yeah. Give back in some way because I don't want to waste all the work and people that have given me and the time people have given me over my career. I'd like to give that back to younger kids, especially probably some of the younger girls coming through the process in Wales and how we can, try and get more Welsh players who are very good at juniors to stay in the game and then progress through into professional life. That would be something I'd like to focus on probably post-career, but I don't know how that kind of looks, but yeah. So we got to know each other a little bit when we were in Houston. That was your first time, I believe, doing PSA Squash TV. You were fabulous at it. You were a natural listening, and I listened to pretty much every match you did. PJ and Joey obviously are the king of the crop there, but you, you could step right in and do that full time and be one of the best, one of the best PSA TV announcers. Do you enjoy, did you enjoy doing that? Do you think that's something you'd like to do in the future? I honestly, I absolutely loved it. When I got asked to do it, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And I absolutely loved it. We had, we had a great bunch of people as well that week, but it was the first time that I sat back and realized like how stressful squash is because That week was amazing. We enjoyed it. You can get up in the morning, maybe do a little bit of a workout. I was obviously doing rehab at the time for my foot because I wasn't playing, but then just got to enjoy it. And then we'd we'd do the commentate and obviously we'd be in bed early, not going out for food or drinks because that's not what you do. But we, the social side was pretty cool too. And yeah, I actually really enjoyed it and something that I wasn't sure I was going to thought, give it a go. And it would be something that I definitely post-career would like to get into but the only thing that holds me back from it is that the one thing I'm actually really looking forward to post-career is not traveling and that's the only downside would be it still involves a lot of traveling if we do settle down have a family it means being away a lot and I don't know if I'm that was probably is one of the main reasons why I would like to stop is to stop traveling all the time and that still involves a lot so it would be something to think about but it was pretty cool to be fair I did 
I'd only do it if you MC though, because otherwise it would have been boring. I appreciate that. And the check is certainly in the mail. What I think is a shame is Joey Barrington obviously is famous for giving players nicknames. I don't believe you have a nickname or am I missing it? No, I don't have. So I wrote down a few. So let me see. Let me see what you think of these. So the wee Welsh woman. (laughs) Why are you saying I'm short or something? I'm not saying you're short. I've read it on internet and like Reddit boards and stuff. People are saying you're short. So I'm not saying you're short. You look very average to me, average height to me. So we welcome it. How about the princess of Wales? Is that already taken? The princess of Wales. I'm not very princessy though. So I'm not sure. I know. That's why I think think it would be awesome. Oh, maybe. Tesney, you may know, you don't know me as well as you may think you do. Yeah, true. Fair enough. Okay. Any more? All right. The Welsh wizard, I thought, but that's cool, actually. Do you want something as cool as that? Yeah, I think the Welsh wizard has come up, but I believe that Adrian Davis, who used to play, that was his nickname. So I don't think they want to reuse it. And he was a proper wizard. So I feel like I'm not sure if I could take that, to be fair. Yeah, but it was a good one. Let's go. Let's go with the wee Welsh woman then. I think we're going to, I'm going to whisper that in Joey's ear. Okay. Yeah, although he's very egotistical. Unless he thinks about it, he won't use it because I've given him some great nicknames for players. And PJ has informed me that unless Joey thinks of it himself, he will not use them no matter how good the suggestion yeah. is. Shocking, Joey Barrington has an ego. I'm stunned, I'm stunned by that. <laughs> last, que- last question. And I know I told you I'd only keep you for 45 minutes and you were... The, the, your reaction when I told you this would be 45 minutes long was hurtful. You said, I believe in our WhatsApp chat, you said, I have to speak to you for 45 minutes. <laughs> I did say that. I did say <laughs> that's I, i'm a person too tesney i have feelings so just fyi but whatever um, so i'd be I, flown by <laughs> yes exactly so yeah. i have to ask the question because everyone else asks it so you did talk about looking to settle down looking to mm-hmm. maybe you didn't want to go on forever but there is something on the horizon four years from now you are you can still qualify for the olympics but that being said there's what i'm hearing is there's going to be two spots available for each country you have an opportunity is that something in the back of your mind hey if i start progressing and stay on a good path that's something that would be obviously you're a huge commonwealth games fan this would be the pinnacle of most people's squash career yeah no it is without a doubt it was i think it's one of the biggest things to happen to the sport i would say in certainly forever but Yeah, it's always a tricky one because it seems like it's not that far away, but four years is such a long time, isn't it? I'm definitely going to throw my hat in, my name in the hat. In fact, I should word that better because, yeah, it would definitely be the (laughs) pinnacle. What a terrible... I think it's hat... I think it's I think it's hat in the ring, but either way, good. Name in the hat's good too. Name uh, in the continue, hat. sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Name in the hat. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever works. But yeah, I think it's definitely something that I would definitely like to do before I retire. It's a long way away, as I said, four years. Two people from the from GB, so obviously you've got Wales, England, Scotland, and Ireland, and there are some bloody good squash players mm. in that mix. So it would be tough, without a doubt. But it should be tough going to Olympic Games. The qualifying should be hard. It's the pinnacle of any athlete's career so it's not out of the question that's for sure something that I would definitely love to do whether it will work time and wise who knows but I think for the sport on in on the whole it's incredible news and hopefully it sees the growth in the game that I think we deserve because it could push it to another level which I think any doesn't matter whether I'm playing it doesn't matter who makes the team in any country I think it's bigger than that that we worry about Everyone's caught up on who's playing, which obviously is fair enough, but I think it means more than that. And I think it means more growth for the game, which is what we all want. So I think it was amazing news and something that 
would definitely top my career to finish on something like that would be amazing to be fair and especially for you guys obviously it's in LA that's really special isn't it I'm not sure if you get more people because I feel like if you're hosting it you should get more than two per per draw but I'm not sure that's going to happen yeah and the U.S. at this point doesn't we don't really have a lot of men in the top echelons of the game. So whether that would be fair, because it is the Olympics. So you do want the best players in the world yeah. representing the game. So it'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to the politics behind it all. As <laughs> you, you may know me. I love the the drama and I love the the, the train wreck of it all. And just what's going to happen and leading up to it. As I said, the Egyptian nationals could be like oh, the greatest tournament God. ever played. Can you imagine the, the drama and the politics behind only picking two players from Egypt to play in the men? I can't get my head around the fact of someone between Noran Gohar, Norel Shabini, Hania, Amina Orfi, without going down Norel Tayeb, Sal Mahani. We have yes. the names and only two of them are going to make it. It just seems totally incredible. But I suppose every other nation is, yeah, we need to also have a chance too. And I think what we'll be seeing is, and not to scare you at all, but I think we may be seeing maybe like Norel Tayeb or Nada Abbas playing in the Welsh Championship in two years. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, we'd welcome them in. Oh, yeah. Welcome them in. Bring them in. Yes, with, with open arms. With open arms. I'm the more sure. the merrier. Yeah. Well, Tesney, I appreciate you taking some time. This has been as enjoyable as I thought it would be. Best of luck in New York. Dress warm. It's going to be freezing cold, but we look forward. The PSA tour is always in a better place when Tesney oh. Murphy is on the tour. Nice. We're looking forward to seeing your progression, and, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to catching up. Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.